This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Wow, what a wonderful morning. Welcome back, everybody. How are you? Awesome. It's a great day to be at church. I've got a a topic to lay out for us this morning that... um, Frankly, it's going to be a challenge to some of us, but it's going to be a great challenge. Are you up for a challenge? Okay, that's good. I know. I love you guys because you're always up for a challenge, and that's that's a great thing. Whether you're here all the time or this is your very first time, I just want you to know the welcome mat is equal for everybody. Everybody is, is welcome here. God is changing us into this wonderful group of people who are outrageously accepting, loving, and generous. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah. Outrageously accepting, loving, and generous. I want to say something to those of you who showed up yesterday at the schools and worked. You guys are just a wild and crazy gang. That, that yes, that was unbelievable. Some of you started at 8 o'clock at Adobe Christian, and you didn't go home till 6 o'clock last night. That that was uh, uh, just a mammoth project. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you made a difference in our city, and uh, that's all part of what God has called us to do. Uh, last week, was that a fun time last week? I have, I have, I have some great news to tell you, Okay. The single biggest transition that any church can go through is a change in its lead pastor, and usually that brings to the surface all sorts of uncertainty and anything that anybody's been sitting on for a while. Usually it comes up during that time. I am unaware of, if there have been any, any negative response to the great vision that God has given us for our church. That is something truly worth celebrating. I canceled a trip to uh, Portland, Oregon last week purely and simply because I wanted to be here in case anyone had anything that they needed to process. And, uh, you know, as it turns out, I could have gone to Portland because everything was great. Today, we're going to build on what we taught you last week. So, uh, if you will take out two things from your program, take out your Connect card. For those of you who are brand new and don't know what a Connect card is, it's a long skinny card in there. Uh, You'll soon find out that we fill out that contact information uh, section every week. If if we already have your contact information, just put your name there. Uh, If you're new and we don't have it, the rest of your contact information, please trust us with that. This gives you the opportunity to connect with our staff it helps us uh, know how to help you get better connected with God. And that's really what church is all about. So if you fill that out, on the back side, there's places for prayer requests and a place to help you apply what I'm going to teach you this morning. And at the end of our church service, we'll be turning those in uh, when, they, when the ushers pass the baskets. Last week, we took a huge step toward living out the dream that Jesus has for his church. So I want you to to 
put your eyes on the screen because I'm going to read to you Jesus' dream for His church. This is what He said. On this rock, and the rock He was talking about was the confession that He was God in the flesh and He was the Savior of the world. On that central truth, Jesus said, I am going to build my church. Now look at His dream. All the powers of hell will not prevail against it. All the powers of hell will not prevail against it. And, and we laid out two prevailing dreams for our church. And the first prevailing dream was that our church would prevail to the point that it literally changed the spiritual climate in our community. And we learned that that was going to take place as we allowed God to change us and transform us into this outrageously accepting, loving, and generous people that He wants us to be. It's so counter to the rest of our culture and so refreshing to the rest of our culture. And then the second uh, dream that, that, that we talked about was that our church would prevail to the point that it would still be thriving when Jesus returns. Those are those two prevailing dreams. And this morning and over the next three weeks, we're going to take those prevailing dreams and we're going to look at three things that Christ calls us to to become as individuals and as a church if we're going to prevail to that point. And this morning, I'm going to talk to you about prevailing through taking holy risks. And uh, that's the part that's going to be challenging. Let, let, let me give you three things to begin with. Number one, prevailing churches take holy risks with God. There's no such thing as a church that prevails and never takes a risk with God. God continually calls us to take holy risks. And I can tell you that across the 15-year span of our history as a church, the defining moments in our church have been those times when we, when we had the opportunity to take a holy risk with God and we stepped out in faith and we sort of risk it all for Him. And because we did, God showed up. And when God showed up, He did amazing things through us. Prevailing churches prevail because they take holy risks with God. Principle number two, prevailing churches are made up of prevailing Christians. And the challenge this morning is going to be for you and for me to become prevailing Christians. Christians who take those holy risks with God in our personal life. And as we learn to reach out and to believe what God says and to take Him by the hand, and as He leads us into places that we've never been before, then we become a prevailing Christian. And when you put a whole bunch of prevailing Christians together, what do you think you get? You get a prevailing church. That's how that works. There's no such thing as a church that takes holy risks with God, but it's people don't. It's what we do in our daily life and how, and how we respond to God on Monday through Saturday that determines what kind of a church we are when we get together on Sunday. That's how God has wired it up. The Bible is filled with the stories of three kinds of people, Okay. First of all, those who took no risks. There's no story in the Bible that says so-and-so lived, took no risk, died, and God was delighted with him. That's not how it works. In fact, you know what happens? When we don't take risks, life passes us by and we never step into the life that we were, that we were designed to live. 
I, my heart is it's saddened when I have a front row seat to people who will not take risk with God. Because I sit there and I watch their life go by. The life that could be theirs. And it's huge. And it's big. And it's great. And it changes other people's lives. And it would thrill them on the inside. But instead, they settle for this little piece of a life. Only a piece of what could have been theirs. Because every time God said, reach out and take this holy risk with me. Take me by the hand. Let me walk you to places that you've never been to before. Let me lead you into conversations that you have never been part of before. Let me show you some new skill in your life. And no thanks. I'll stay right where I am. Now, the second group of people in the Bible are the people who took foolish risks. This is not about go and do something stupid for Jesus. Okay? The Bible also has all sorts of stories about people who took really foolish risks. And I'm going to give you this morning three characteristics of of what a holy risk is. So you know how to tell the difference between what's a foolish risk and what is a holy risk. But the Bible tells the stories of people who took foolish risks. And the end result of a foolish risk usually is the destruction of your life or a portion of it. That's not good. But then the Bible has these wonderful stories of people who took these holy risks, these sort of sacred journeys with God. And what God did in them and what God did through them was astounding and amazing. And this morning, God calls all of us to be those people who would reach out, take Him by the hand, and take whatever the next holy risk is that he's calling us to. And my prayer for you this morning is that by the time we're done speaking to you in a few minutes, that you'll be ready to take that next holy risk with God. We're going to see it in the, in the story of one of the Bible's most famous characters. See, let's see if I can set the setting for us. It was another hot and burning day on the desert. He had seen thousands of them before. The sun would soon break the night away and it would drive away the cool and the chill of the morning. Soon the the horizon would just be distorted by the waves from the burning desert sand. It was on to new territory. It was more scrub brush for the sheep to scavenge through. And then it would be on to an oasis, some, some sort of break in this endless desert where the sheep could rest and they could, they could drink. You know, shepherd's life was nothing to write home about. In fact, his life had not turned out anything like he thought it would. His earliest memories were of his childhood home. It was huge. It was more than a mansion. It was actually a palace. There were wait staff everywhere, and every day seemed to bring more of what his parents called important people. He never went to school. In fact, the greatest teachers in his country came to his house to privately tutor him. It it was an amazing childhood. It was actually a dream childhood in many ways. Until one day, many times, he had paused to think 
How could one day so drastically change such a great life? He'd replayed that day in his mind a thousand different times, hoping for some clue of what he could have done differently, some way that would change the ending. He actually had done what he thought was a good thing. He did what he thought any decent person would do. When he saw a violent injustice, some person being violently beaten and their life threatened, he stepped in to intervene. And when he intervened, a fight broke out between him and the bad guy. And it soon became apparent to him that his own life was in danger. And when the struggle had ended, the bad guy died and he had lived. And frankly, he felt fortunate to be alive. And a little bit like a hero, he had risked his life to save that of another. What happened next was still a mystery to him. There was no hero's welcome. There was no fanfare for someone who had risked his life to save another. Instead, an all-points bulletin was issued for his arrest, and he was forced to flee his country for his life. And he went to the only place that he knew was so hot and, and, and so deserted and, and, and so miserable that they would never track him there. He went to the desert. And that's where he had been for a long time. Perhaps you see some of yourself in the life of Moses. Your life hasn't turned out the way you thought it would turn out. Frankly, in your heart, you know there has to be more to life than this. And in your soul, you long for something that would be meaningful and significant and outstanding. But you feel like it's just another day with the sheep. A few more scrub brush, another oasis, it'll be the same tomorrow. Listen, God has an answer for that. And, and we're going to see it in the life of Moses. So we're going to go back to Exodus chapter 3, where everything changes for Moses. Okay? Because God's going to give him an invitation. And friends, it's the same kind of invitation that he gives you and me. And in the process, we're going to learn that God invites him to a holy risk. And we're going to see the three characteristics of a holy risk. And hopefully, we'll see what God wants to do in us. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Now, I've been there. I can tell you I have no idea what those sheep ate because for as far as your eye can see, there's nothing green. Okay? It was far into the desert. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And God called to him from the middle of the bush. Now, I know it's easy to look at that and think, by golly, if I went out to mow the lawn and God spoke to me in a bush, I'd be on board with him too. All right? I want to tell you that though God spoke to Moses in the middle of a burning bush, the Bible is filled with with the stories of people who never saw a burning bush. But they still took a holy risk with God. Because the answer is not the bush. Here's the answer. Okay? And that is holy risks come during holy interruptions. Friends, I'm convinced that God is continually calling us to holy interruptions in our life. I hope you have one this morning. 
It could happen right here at church where I'm talking or, or, or the gang is up here singing. It doesn't make any difference. But you have this point of connection with God and God begins to give birth to something in your soul and your spirit and He's calling you to do something in your life that you know either needs to be corrected or He's calling you to go someplace or to say something to someone or to do something that you're not currently doing. You didn't come to church saying, God, would you talk to me about that? But He is. Because God's interrupting your life. Now the great thing is, you and I can put ourselves in places where God is more likely to interrupt us. For instance, you could be sitting at home on your couch watching the NFL this morning. It's highly unlikely you'll get a holy interruption in the middle of the NFL. Okay? It's much more likely that you would get a holy interruption here at church. Are you on board with me? Does that make sense to everybody? Of course it does. Okay? You can get up tomorrow morning and you can yell at your wife or your husband or your kids and you're not likely to get a holy interruption unless it's an interruption of, of guilt. Okay? On the other hand, you could get up tomorrow morning, you could take your Bible, you could go to a, to a place where it's just you and God, and you can begin to read your Bible, and you're much more likely to get a holy interruption there. But what you need to know is that holy risks begin with a holy interruption. That's the way it was with Moses. And, and I want to talk to you about something. I believe that God is calling us through these holy interruptions, you're involved in a conversation with a friend and, and God is saying to you, ask him or her a risky question about their spiritual condition. Whoa. You know, I should do that. No, do that. It's a holy risk. You're someplace and somebody's talking about some cause and you feel movement in your heart. God is calling you to take a holy risk, to take out your wallet or to take out whatever money you have on your person right then and just give it all. Give everything that you have on you and just say, I want to go home with no money in my pocket because I want to invest it all in this thing. You know, that's an amazing way to live. If you've never done that before, I want to challenge you to do that. It's a holy risk. Let God work in your life to the point that you can get so on board with Him that you'd rather go home with no money in your pocket because you've invested in this thing that you believe in. And you just took this holy risk. We're going to give you the opportunity over the next two weeks to sign up for this great campaign that God has called our church to. It's called Not a Fan. And I can assure you, having looked at the material ahead of time, I can assure you that it's going to call to the surface of our lives feelings, thoughts, emotions, and hurts that maybe have been buried for years. And God's going to call them to the surface. And He's going to ask us to take the risk of dealing with them in a healthy way. He's going to ask us to speak into the lives of people that two weeks prior we didn't even know. He's going he's gonna to ask us to take the risk of, of laying out in a transparent way some struggle that we are currently engaged in in our own, in our own spiritual journey and to trust the, the, the 11 other people in our life group to, to help us process that. And, and for many of us, we've never done that. We've been in Bible studies and we've talked theory and we've talked theology and we've talked 
Bible principle, but in terms of me raising my hand and saying, boy, you know, that's something I'm struggling with right now. Wow, that's a risk. Some of us have never joined a life group. Take a holy risk with God. Because it's in taking these holy risks. Listen, it's the holy risks that actually change and transform our lives. It's huge. But it's great. We've got only two more weeks. But I can assure you that our church is only, only going to have two kinds of people in it at the end of this. It's going to have people who went through not a fan and got stirred to the deepest part of their hearts and were challenged to look and say, in what part of my life am I just a fan of Jesus? And in what part of my life am I an actual follower of Jesus? And boy, I want to take a huge step so that I'm less of a fan and I'm more of a full-on follower of Christ. There are going to be people who take that journey. And at the end of December, they're going to go, wow, I'm closer to Christ than I've ever been before. And then there will be those people who either didn't get involved in the life group or hid out in the life group and just sort of were a silent observer and watched everyone file on by in their walk with Christ. I want to challenge all of us. Take a holy risk with with Jesus. Go all in. Because as you go all in, you get to step into the life that He created you for. And look for those holy interruptions where God's giving you a message and learn how to respond to that. It's the greatest way to live. So that's the first part. God wasn't done talking to Moses. So a few verses later, here's what He says. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. By the way, God brought up a painful subject for Moses. It was a slave driver that Moses got in a fight with, and it was the slave driver who died that caused Moses to have to flee for his life. You know, God went right to that painful point and said, Moses, I'm going to give you a way to deal with that. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering, So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. The second characteristic of a holy risk is this. Holy risks always have an unselfish purpose. There's no story in the Bible where God says, I'm going to call you to do something great for yourself. In fact, in my heart, I'm wondering how God would have responded if Moses had listened to God and asked the ever-popular question today. Uh, God, what's in it for me? You know, holy risks are never about us. If they were, they would be unholy risks. They would be selfish ones. And they would lead us to be more self-centered and self-focused. The amazing thing about a holy risk is it's always about other people. It's always about changing the world. It's always about doing something good for someone else. Now, in this encounter with God, in this holy interruption, God places within Moses some prevailing dreams. 
He, he dreams that his, that his nation, the nation of Israel, would prevail to the point that, that, that they would prevail against the most powerful nation in the world, the Egyptians. That they would prevail to the point that they would exit the land of Egypt of free people. Which was inconceivable. And that they would prevail to the point that they would eventually live in the land that God had promised to their ancestors over 400 years prior. Just a reality check. That's twice as old as our country is. That was an old promise that a lot of people had given up on. And yet God stirred up that dream in Moses. Moses, this is not about you. This is not about you being a hero. This is not about you just risking your life to save someone else's and then getting up and saying, where's my applause? This is about you going down and looking the most powerful man in the world in the eyes. And I have one message to give him through you. God says, let my people go. When we decide that life that's centered on other people is always better than life that's centered on us, we will be much more likely to take God by the hand and take a holy risk. That's the deal. That's how it works. And if we do... I want you to look at number three, because number three is where this gets really good. By the way, principle number one prevents some of us from getting involved because principle number one is about fear. Okay? It's about, it's about being afraid of what God might ask us to do. Principle number two is where another group of us stumble because it's about selfishness. And it's about God calling us to an unselfish lifestyle. And that goes against our nature so often. Principle number three is where it gets absolutely fabulous. Because this is where we see Moses' response to God and God's response to Moses. But Moses protested to God. Can you identify that with that? I can. God says, Ron, I want you to do this. I'm going, but, 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 but. Yeah. Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Uh. God, have you checked me out recently? I'm standing here in the middle of the desert. My sandals are hot and dusty. I got this nasty smelling tunic on and I got this staff in my hand. That's all I got. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? I want you to hear this. I want you to underline it. And, and if you will, I want you to build your life on it. Look what God says. God answered, I will be with you. Friends, that promise doesn't end with Moses. God says, I will be with you. I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. And I'm thinking he's saying to Moses, check out your right arm. Does it look real mighty? No. So you know what God says? So I will what? Raise my hand. The third thing you know about a holy risk, and I want you to write it down, is that holy risks fail if God doesn't show up. Now listen, 
Moses heads off from this this desert of Midian. He goes down to the land of Egypt. and, uh, And under the most unlikely circumstances, he walks in to the court of Pharaoh. This was the home he was raised in. This was the palace he was raised in. These people, most of them remember Moses from 40 years prior. He walks into that same place that he grew up. He looks Pharaoh right in the eye. And he says, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh looked at him and said, you're kidding. Actually, if you want to know his exact words, he said, who is God that I should listen to him? A huge tussle ensued. I just want to cut to the bottom line. Because Moses was willing to take a risk with God... He got to see something that no one dared dream of. He stood in front of a mighty ocean, and God said, Moses, raise your staff. Moses raised his staff. And he watched the ocean part. You think he dreamed of that when he was on the desert of Sinai? Oh yeah, God, I'll go down there. I'll tell you what, you part the ocean, I'll lead them through. I'm guessing he wasn't thinking that. But you know what he got to see? He got to see something he never dreamed he would ever see in his lifetime. And he got to watch those people walk right through the bottom of the ocean. He got to see them walk right into freedom. He got to see them become a nation. He got to see them amazing and mighty things. And I want to tell you, if you and I we'll be willing to take God by the hand and have those risky conversations with people in our lives and, and, and speak into each other's lives during, during this life group time. You know what we're going to see? You and I are going to get to see God part the waters in some of our dearest friends' lives and we're going to watch them walk into new areas of freedom in their life. Are you ready for that? I am ready for that. It's what happens when we take holy risks. It's what happens when we say, God, I'm in. There are three ways for us to apply this today. Let's take a look. The first is, you know, if you're just new in this journey, I want to invite you to become a follower of Christ. Because that's where the journey begins. This is your holy interruption. You just came to church this morning. And what God is saying to you, I'm glad you came to church. Now here's my holy interruption. You've been living your life sort of as, well, okay, I'm quasi-religious. I'm, you know, I like to do the religious thing or I'm hanging around church or somebody drug me to church or, or whatever it is. This is God, not me. This is Him speaking to you in your spirit saying, my holy interruption for you, this burning bush moment in your life is that you would decide to get on board with me. That you, that you would come to a point that you know that Jesus was God's Son in human flesh and that as Justin laid out so clearly for us this morning that He died as the sacrifice for your sin so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be a partaker of God's amazing grace and so that your last day on this earth would be your first day in heaven. Friends, that is awesome. So I want to call you to that. God's inviting you. Take that holy risk. Become a Christian. If you're ready to do that, on the back side of your Connect card, there's a place for you to check that. 
I want you to check that because I, I want to get in touch with you this week. Make sure you understand what that means and, and lead you in that process so that it's not just a, a decision you made here at church, but something that becomes life-changing for you for the rest of your life. If you're past that stage, well then the next thing is that you would join a life group. And Kevin's going to walk you through that in just a couple of minutes about how you could do that. My prayer is that 100% of all the adults that go to New Life, that 100% of you would join a life group. Because if you do that, God has an agenda for you and you have just upped the likelihood that you will get one of these holy interruptions or multiple holy interruptions in your life. And you're going to have opportunity after opportunity to respond to God and take a holy risk. And then number three, for those of you who love living on the wild side, okay, you're already a Christian, you've already joined a life group, okay, here it is. When you get on your knees this week and say, God, lead me to a new holy risk in my life. I am ready for some adventure. Are you up for that? I hope some of you are. That's going to be awesome because as, as you invite God more and more into your life, you know, you're going to get those parting the waters moments in your life like Moses got. And, and, and it's going to make you hungry for the next one. And it's just going to increase your appetite because it'll draw you near to God. I want to pray for us, and then I'll turn it over to Kevin. Father, I thank you so much that you have not called us to a life of ease, that you have not called us to a life that's boring, that you haven't called us to a life of, of sort of uh, safe and easy and comfortable. I, I just want to thank you that you've called us to risk it all time and time again, and that you call us into these great adventures and that as we take you by the hand and we become that church that takes holy risks, and as we become those Christians that take holy risks, that we become a prevailing church that changes the spiritual climate in our community because you change the spiritual climate in our lives and you do it over and over and over again and you keep us fresh and vibrant. Father, we just love that. I pray right now for my friends who haven't yet made the decision to follow you. Why would you move them to make that decision right here, right now? Would you help them to hear your voice and respond to it? And I pray for my friends who have not yet signed up for a life group. God, would you help them to hear your voice calling them and saying, hey, I want to meet with you there. And I want to meet you with you in that context because I, I want to create a bond between you and other people in that group. And because I want you to ask the risky questions of others. And I want others to ask you the risky questions that all of you need so that, so that more and more of your life could be moved over into that follower category. And that we would be less and less fans who applaud Jesus and more and more followers who walk with him. And God, would you call us to invite you for a new holy interruption, a new risk in our lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.